Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. So we have back with us again today Matt Campbell. Matt is a member of KPMG's People and Change practice, where he's a managing director and one of our resident podcast experts on how organizations are addressing the future of work overall, but also the future of work as it relates to attracting, attaining, and nurturing the workforce of the future. So, Matt, thanks for joining us here again today on Advice Worth Keeping. Good to be here, Stan. So, Matt, the last time we had you on, we talked about the employee deal or how organizations really need to rethink the value proposition that they're offering to the types of employees that they need today and are going to increasingly need in the future. So we talked about a lot of things on that podcast, in particular, the idea of firms developing or enhancing or exposing their employee value proposition. So today we want to kind of take this down a level and talk about how that relates to the so-called Generation Z talent which will become increasingly the key members of the workforce going forward. And we'll have you define that in a minute. But I think what we're talking about today is that as each generation takes its place in the workforce, organizations must adapt their talent programs to accommodate and respect the traits of the new workers, even if in some cases those traits might be a bit different than some of their more legacy employees. What I'd like to talk about today is how the latest generation entering the workforce, the so-called Generation Z, how organizations need to respond to their needs, but also construct an environment where it's really a win-win for both sides. Because as you've expressed in the past, different generations have different needs, but also organizations not only need to adapt to those needs, but also need to clearly define what's in it for the employees as well as it's in it for them. So maybe just to start out, Matt, what exactly is Generation Z? I think we've all heard about it. Anybody who reads the popular press has seen the term. But from your perspective, what's a Generation Z? And what are some of the characteristics or behaviors of this group that make them unique to other generations? And how do organizations need to respond to these different characteristics and needs? Generation Z really kicks in the late 90s to around the year 2000. So when you think about the world that Generation Z has grown up in, they have grown up essentially post-September 11. So with that, they've seen institutions in their lifetime, big institutions fail in ways that other generations haven't seen those institutions fail. They've also grown up with a smartphone, not just a mobile phone, but a smartphone in their hands from since they're about 10 years old really born into technology and beyond a native, that's a thing. They're also predicted to be the first generation that is likely to actually have technology hardwired into them at some point. So it's probably a little way off yet, but it's one of those futuristic ideas that is projected for this generation. It makes for a really interesting generation in terms of their expectations. They're also the first generation to really grow up in social media and so grow up with that idea that there is always a group of people out there who you don't know who are going to be commenting and judging you during your most formative years of your life and used to growing up in a very public spotlight in a way that other generations haven't grown up. 
So it's going to make for a very interesting group as they start coming to work. So the lead of them is actually graduating college at the moment and starting to enter into the workforce. So for anybody out there who's still trying to get their head around millennials, that conversation's coming up to 20 years out of date. So time to take on the next challenge and start thinking about what do we need to do for this new group of people that within a few short years will start to be a notable portion of the working population. So Matt, I can certainly relate to that given I am far removed from Generation Z, but my children aren't. So I see some of the different characteristics and ambitions they have as they're starting to enter the workforce. But how do these characteristics translate into the work environment and longer term the career, recognizing that the career is likely to be something that spans multiple firms and likely multiple different types of career options? What are some of the must-haves for this generation? In the past, you know, a lot of the must-haves were security, advancement for opportunities, pay, benefits. I think those requirements are changing, not th- those that I just listed might not be important, but there's there's other things. Given the characteristics of, of Generation Z, what does that mean from the work environment and career projections that an employer needs to take into account when they're trying to attract these types of employees? The type of organization that Generation Z is uh, attracted to, they're attracted to environments where they can experiment. Again, they've grown up in the disruption world. They don't expect institutions to stick around, but they do value the opportunity to explore and try and do different things. So recognizing, of course, that we're very early in terms of their career life cycles, but the idea of what work means for them is more around a collection of experiences. So Stan, I know on other podcasts around the 21st century enterprise, the whole idea of the Fortune 500 business moving from being a 60-year institution down to uh, less than 15 years as an institution now means that this generation is ironically and somewhat uniquely geared to working in an environment that the gig economy will actually really support because they don't see themselves sticking with an organization for extended periods of time, but they do want to be able to have the opportunity to move around, try and experience different things. So what that means in terms of how we actually start to engage them and work with them is thinking about how do you build different capability sets so that they can see the new capabilities or experiences they're having and why they matter, but importantly, how they're going to be able to use those experiences in other areas for the next set of experiences and how do they treat those as as leapfrogs, Um, almost thinking the idea of lily ponds rather than a ladder going forward in terms of career trajectory. They're really, when it comes to learning, very focused on taking information from trusted sources, and usually that means their own personal networks. So again, when you look at the technology adoption that we see with them in this generation, their most popular platform at the moment is Snapchat, where they're sharing information in bite-sized chunks to a select group of people. So they're controlling to some extent where they're actually taking their information from, but who they're sharing it. So they're less likely to go straight to a a Google search and more likely to reach out to a friend or a peer. So when we think about how they're going to learn within organizations, that relationship and that network of people within the organization, but also outside of the organization, is going to become really key piece for them in terms of where they're drawing that skill set from. And being innovative in terms of how we actually recognize them, they do respond really well to leadership feedback, assuming 
that they're treated as adults. The idea of being able to have a paternalistic management style is long gone and now very much engaging almost on a peer type relationship as to how do they improve and how do they get better at doing things rather than necessarily giving feedback. Again, more of that coaching style. So expecting very different qualities from the people that they work with than maybe some previous generations have been prepared to take on. So, Matt, we've discussed this in some of our prior podcasts, but also you've addressed this in some of the uh, pieces you've written for KPMG. This really sounds like something that no organization can ignore and that an organization that in the past might have been able to rest on its so-called laurels because it was an established market titan and it was kind of the go-to place to go and they had many more applicants than they had positions for that they could be a bit more choosy. But it sounds like that's no longer the case since even some of the newer age market titans came into existence long before Generation Z was even born. So it sounds like it's something that can't be ignored. And if, if that is the case, not let me know. But based on that being the case, what are some of the things that you want to tell our listeners that they should address relative to talent management programs and what they should be considering prioritize for this generation, assuming that resting on your laurels is no longer a good recruitment strategy? Thinking about what your organization has that's going to appeal. And again, what's unique about your organization? What is it that you're going to be able to give somebody that they can't get anywhere else? And really honing in on what is it that makes the experience of working with your organization unique is probably the first most primal question here. The second piece to that is thinking about how do you actually, and we've talked about it before, how do you have that employee value proposition or employee deal that is actually authentic and consistent? And to some extent, there's a degree of choice to it. So people can make trades in terms of what their benefits package looks like. They can make trades in terms of how they want to progress and develop their own skill sets rather than more prescriptive models that previous generations had. So they're probably some of the biggest pieces for organizations to think about in terms of how they actually shift to this next generation. I think when you say that we can't avoid, it's super true because this is the next generation coming through. And so as baby boomers are leaving the workforce, millennials are in many respects already the dominant workforce in the US at least. Over the next five years, Generation Z is going to start having a big impact as they start taking up a pretty big percentage of that work environment. And again, expecting a lot more customization, flexibility, the favorite consulting word of agility, but organizations have to think about how to actually achieve that so that this group will actually want to come and work with them. They're not prepared to be working like the Flintstones. They want to actually have that Jackson's lifestyle. If they even know who the Flintstones are. So maybe to wrap up, Matt, clearly this is something that no organization should not look into and not understand how they need to change their employee value proposition overall, but also specifically to Generation Z. But we've also talked about how different organizations, just by their nature and where they're located and the type of work they're offering to employees, might have a different or slightly nuanced value proposition. But how can organizations use, for example, things such as workforce analytics to address the demographics of what they need, but also who are their candidates? Because for everything you've described, there are still clearly going to be some Generation Z employees that are a good fit and worth 
making an offer to or taking a chance on and and enhancing a program to support their requirements. And in other cases, there's still going to be employees that aren't a good fit. Not that they're not worth the effort, but there still needs to be a prioritization. How can organizations get more exact? And this gets into the very interesting world of workforce analytics to understand what is the nature of their need, but also what is the nature of their candidate pool so that they can further tailor some of their value propositions to not at the macro level, but more at the maybe medium or micro level to to who they're actually looking to bring in and who's in their candidate pool. Actually understanding and capturing the demographic data of employees and then matching that against the business outcomes that you're having. So whether that's at a process level or a project level, but actually understanding who is performing better in what context and where do you actually understand what those patterns of performance look like. So whether that's particular types of employees doing well based on those demographics so that you can then go and source those candidates in the market more readily and actively seek them out. Obviously, the more we know and the more we understand about our employee population, the more informed we can be in terms of are they actually having an authentic experience? Is it resonating for them? And starting importantly to understand what are the signals that someone is dissatisfied and wanting to leave your organization. And not just fixing it for that one individual, but taking it all the way back and looking at how do you redesign that employee deal on the front end in terms of how you actually attract them to come work with you. That workforce analytics is probably one of the most fundamental and critical things an organization can do to build out that pattern analysis. Yeah, so a great to-do item there today for any organization that's looking at addressing these, and we've agreed that all organizations should be. So I think a key tool in helping to take this down to the next level. Matt, as usual, great stuff. Thank you for your time today. And for our listeners, this podcast is another in a series of talent insights around the focus area of KPMG on the future of work and the future of the employee workforce and how organizations need to become more agile in the face of rapid workforce changes to be able to put together the team they need to drive performance and enhance their competitive advantage and really help organizations understand how are they addressing 21st century enterprise needs and the ability to anticipate change and transform and achieve their collective greatness, which is hugely based on uh, their employee workforce, regardless of how much automation you can do. Certainly check out the other podcasts that Matt's participated in and some of the other research he and his team have done. It's available on links off of the landing page for this podcast. And you can also check out the following URL, which has a wealth of KPMG insights and research on this topic. That's at www.kpmg.com slash US slash future of work. That URL again is www.kpmg.com slash US slash future of work. So check that out. And again, listen to all of Matt's podcasts. So Matt, thanks for joining us here again today. Great stuff and very important stuff. So we'll look forward to getting you back again soon on Advice Worth Keeping. This podcast is one in a series of talent insights on the future of work. The ability to be agile in the face of rapid workforce change will be key to the future performance and competitive advantage of organizations. The question is, how is your organization pioneering a 21st century enterprise to anticipate change, transform, and achieve greatness? Listen to more podcasts from our Future of Work series. Go to www.kpmg.com slash US slash Future of Work. And there's a link to that on the landing page of any of these podcasts. There you'll find more insights and ways to unlock the value from our greatest asset, your people.